Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 8718 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Liam this morning. Liam, how are you this morning? I'm very well this morning, Lyle. How are you this morning? I'm amazing this morning. That is very good. Yes, it is indeed. What are you thankful for this morning? This morning, um, I am thankful for... I I got a a very decent sleep last night after a a long driving journey. Um, I actually got a a half decent sleep last night. I went to bed at a a very reasonable hour, um, about nine o'clock, and then I woke up feeling very refreshed this morning, ready to come in and uh, join you here on Faith FM. Welcome to Breakfast Radio, where you get to go to bed at 9 o'clock every night, because if you don't, you can pretty wreck the next day. Indeed. So, welcome to Breakfast Radio. Goodbye to your social life. (laughs) (laughs) It's gone. Ah, that's the fun of uh, early mornings and early morning starts. What are you thankful for this morning, Lyle? Mm, This morning, I am thankful for Hugh and Pine. Ooh. What what is is, is, is who or what is surely that? you could not ask be asking me what is hue and pine who doesn't know what hue and pine is hue and pine is a uh, <laughs> is a timber that grows in Tasmania it only grows in uh, southwest Tasmania rainforest it never grows more than fourteen feet from a re- from a river and it is the most amazing timber in the world it is fine grain it is full of oil it never rots. It is beautiful to work with, and I've just uh, been building something out of Hume Pine lately, which is kind of nice. Very nice indeed. I thought it um, could have possibly it, been. It, yeah, I thought it could have possibly been someone related to uh, politician Christopher Pine. Um, but, but it could have been once upon a time. Been. Yes, Hewan is a name that you do see popping up on very, very rare occasions. But I used to live. I grew up about a mile from the Hewan River. And so, yeah, that was uh, sort of a, a major source of human pine there for a long time. It was used for boat building and, you know, joinery, that kind of stuff, because of its non-rotting properties. Now it's used for decorative furniture. This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Well, we're going to be talking about uh, George Pell back in the news again. This is uh, Peter, Paul and Mary early in the morning. Help me find a way, help me find a way, to the promised land, this lonely body, needs a helping hand, I ask the Lord to help me please find a way, when the new day is a dawn, about my heavy prayer, I pray to the Lord, won't you lead me Guide me safely to the golden stairs. Won't you let this body your burden share? I pray to the Lord, won't you leave me, please? Leave me there. When the judgment comes, find the world in shame. When the trumpet blows, won't you call my name? Won't you call my name? 
When the thunder rolls and the heavens rain, when the sun turns black, never shine again. Never shine again when the trumpet blows. Won't you call me, please, for my name? That was Peter Paul and Mary with early in the morning. I hope that you're all awake and alive after starting with a song like that. Oh, it's a very energetic song to get the morning rolling and uh, underway. It is indeed. Okay, so what have we got for our first clue for our quiz of the day? Our very first clue for today's quiz is a Who Am I? Okay, and it is some Greeks at the feast came to see me and said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Ooh, we're going to take a stab on this one and go this way. That is not correct, ah! though. All right, we'll get there. Here Double prizes available. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number to call. That is 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer as to who brought these uh, particular Greeks to see Jesus. Indeed. Um, now, positive news. I've yes. got a couple of uh, very oh, what, positive stories for this morning. Um, the first one comes from Syria. Okay. Now, we often hear of quite not great stories coming out of Syria. It's been a while since we've had a positively different news story out of Syria, if we ever have. Indeed, but... I think Syria's been at war ever since the breakfast show has been in existence. Uh, yeah, it's there is a lot of not great stuff happening over in Syria. However, just recently uh, there has been, a, a, I guess you could say, a, a, a shining light to shine through all of the the darkness happening there. Um, now there is an eleven year old uh, little Syrian girl named Hend Zaza, okay, and she has just recently qualified for the Olympics this year in Tokyo. Um, she will be Congratulations. Uh, representing Syria in table tennis. Um, so she is the youngest table tennis player this year. Um, there is uh, quite a lot of... Other, there's another girl that is turning 12 just before the Olympics. Um, there's a number of other uh, athletes that have... have been young throughout the years. I think the youngest that has ever been to the Olympics was a ten-year-old. The the they're very specific when it comes to ages. Uh, a ten years and two hundred and eighteen days old Greek boy named Demetrios Laundris from well, from Greece, as I mentioned, and he represented them in gymnastics, specifically uh, on the parallel bars, and he won bronze in that. So. I wonder what the youngest age is that anybody's ever won a gold medal. Ooh. I mean, that's impressive. Imagine being a kid. It's like, yeah, I have an Olympic medal. It'd be like, what on earth? I tell you what, like, I remember when I was sort of younger years watching the Olympics and, and I thought how amazing it would be to try and reach uh, the, the amazing ability to, to represent my country, Australia, um, at the Olympics. Um, and then... Uh, as I as I, I remember, I remember when it changed from seeing these amazing, talented kids who were just slightly older than me to to kids that were just slightly younger than me, and then the age gap gradually grew and grew and grew, 
until eventually it was like, yeah, you know what? I think my time for that particular area may have passed. So I I take my hat off to these people that are committed to their sport, committed to their uh, passion. I think they're doing a fantastic job. Absolutely. Um, I I wish that at, at at their age, I could have committed to such thing. But I was uh, more focused on, on on having fun with my brothers and teasing them. And well, there's always there's always hope because you have Oscar Swan from Sweden, uh, who when he competed in the Olympics was seventy two years two hundred and eighty one days old. That's not a bad effort. Well, do you know what sport he was in? He was in shooting. Oh. So, so there's there's still there's, hope for you. There's, there's a possibility. Um, how, how how old are you, Liam? I'm 20 years old. You're 20 years old. Okay, all right. You got. You I've got, still got time. You got still. You got time. Um, one one other quick thing about uh, Zaza is she is the youngest competing at uh, the Olympics this year. She will be coming up against the oldest competing against the Olymp- competing in the Olympics next this year. Um, uh, for, feeding off what you just said there, knee. Uh, Xiao Lian from Luxembourg will be 57 this year competing in table tennis. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a very vast age range in the Olympics and uh, I think they do. You know what? When I got out of my 20s, I thought the Olympics had passed me by. Really? Now I'm just starting to You've think, got time. I should, just, I should just go for it. Anything is possible. I, I, should, I just should start. Uh, I should just I should compete. Anyone want to shout me, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, buy me a nice <laughs> rifle, I'll be, uh, I'll be on my way. You'll be ready to go. Um, no, I was, I was going to ask you a question, but I think about, oh, yeah, no, Will, how old are you, Lyle? I am 47. Oh, so you've got plenty of time. Yeah, heaps of time. You're doing quite well. Um, <laughs> for, the, for the time being. For the, t- for the time being, that's 47 right. for the time being. Um, <clears throat> so how, this guy was... Th- 77? 72. 72. So you've still got... He was 64 when he when he won his uh, gold medal. Yep. But he was still competing in the Olympics at 72. So oh, i got plenty of time. That's I'm, very it's impressive. like I'm just halfway there. I'm middle-aged. You know, I'm, in, I'm midway through my potential Olympic career. You could, I reckon you could even put it off for a couple of years if you want to finish doing radio. Start then. when I'm 50. Why not? That's it. You know? Maybe when your voice starts maybe, to go. Maybe, maybe when I... <laughs> All right, <laughs> Liam. Yes. Let me share with you something. Yeah. Your voice doesn't start to disappear when you're fifty. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liam, th- Liam, sitting here at the, at the desk, thinking, "Man, I'm sitting here with just like this guy is so ancient. Was he alive in Noah's day? <sighs> Possibly. Maybe. Maybe not quite. Noah. I reckon. Looking. More closely to, to John and Paul. And yeah, well, your compliments just keep flying. Oh, I do my best. It's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> my next story this, that I've this got. This will not be forgotten. <laughs> Lord, I better watch my back. My next story that I've got this morning, um, it's about rats. It's about rats. Okay. Which- this is supposed to be a part of the radio where we share positively different news. So you're going to be talking about a mass die-off of rats, right? Not, no, 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 no. This is actually uh, there's there's recently been a study uh, on rats that has found that, like humans, rats will avoid actions that can cause pain or harm to their fellow beings. Hmm. And um, th- this trait is known as harm aversion. 
Researchers believe that their findings will help scientists develop new treatments to increase harm aversion in human patients who show psychopathic behaviour. Um, I, I think... Uh, I think it's something really incredible, you know. There's these rats, and we, I guess we we, we quite often don't think muchly of, of rats. No, um, you know they're they're rodents. They're they get in my roof, they poop everywhere. They're they really eat my poison, and then they go away. Yeah, but I think it's amazing when creatures such the creatures that we don't typically think much of are able to show us a lesson. Because while the, the, the scientific study does say that they reflect humans' behaviours, I don't always see that in humans, you know? It, it, often in the negative side of news, I quite often see that um, people, you know, they, they go out to harm people. And um, I think it, it's it's nice to remember that even rats look out for their, for their buddies. Um, and I, I, I think that... I, I guess in a way these these scientists are playing God, um, but luckily for us we don't have scientists that um, don't know they they know what they're doing. But you haven't become a lab a lab a lab rat yet. Yeah, I guess I guess there's a, a pretty big comparison to a, a scientist doctor and our Almighty God in heaven that watches us every day, makes sure makes sure that we make wise decisions and that uh, we can. We can look out for others and make sure that we we not only look for the best in ourselves, but look for the best in other people and make sure that we're all living the best positive lives that we can. Absolutely. And hey, if rats can be nice to their fellow rats, then surely human beings can be nice to their fellow human beings. Yeah, I guess that I guess that does mean that I do have to be nice to my brothers as well, but um, yeah, that that kind of thing is a thing, you know. That is a thing. I hope, I hope they're listening in this morning because they'll be like, they'll hold you to that, you know. Oh, well, like you said that on radio, I did. It's like the whole of Australia knows that now. They do. That that that's like that. that yeah, that might have might not. Have, there is this thing called radio. There is this thing called radio. Everybody gets to hear. Once it's there, it's there forever. That's right. Anyway, we're going to move on with the show this morning, and we're going to listen to the lower lights. Uh, this is Go Down Moses. When Israel was in Egypt's land.
God's commanded to divide Let my people go Go down Moses Back everybody, that was the Lower Lights with Go Down Moses. You're listening to the Breakfast Show on Faith FM. Get ready to call us right now because we're about to get another Who Am I quiz. One eight hundred Faith FM is the number to call. And our giveaway for today is what is our giveaway? The producer was just showing us the giveaway, and now it's disappeared. The so. giveaway for this morning. Um, I've chosen something that I remember when I was when I was younger watching. Um, when I was younger watching amazing facts things, Doug Batchelor was uh, a very uh, – I loved watching him. And now this morning we have a uh, – we, we've got one of his books to give away. So, so for those of you who may be wondering, Amazing Facts is a major Christian uh, television ministry in the United States headed up by Doug Batchelor. So uh, jump online, look up Amazing Facts, and you'll find all of the material there. But we have a book that we're giving away, which is – Who Do You Think You Are? Who do you think you are? By Doug Batchelor. Who do you think you are? I. Uh, well, the question I'm actually asking this morning is, who do you think this person is? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the uh, reminder of the first question, uh, the first clue, rather. Some Greeks at the feast came to see me and said, "Sir, we would like to see Jesus." The second clue for this morning is, I said, "Lord." Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now, if you think you know the answer, give us a call on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or give it, uh, send us a text on 0491-064669. Now, Lyle has just shown me his guess, and I can confirm that he is correct. So there is no double offer There's prize this morning. One, eh? Single one. But there is still Doug Batchelor's Who Do You Think You Are? So, yeah. Okay, so uh, for those of us who've been watching the coronavirus and you kind of feel like, yeah, that's often the distance, it's. And, and for those of you who have a little bit closer to it, you know, I was listening to an interview by a school kid this morning who has come on and. You know, suddenly coronavirus is in his school and it's like, wow, you know, you sort of, it's one of those things that happens to everybody else and suddenly it's at your back door. It's something that happens in China, which is on the other side of the world and, and suddenly it's kind of, you know, it's right there. 
Now, of course, we're living here in Newcastle. Liam's just down, come down from Cairns. Welcome to Newcastle. Mm. Whereas of last night, we have our first coronavirus case. Really? Yes. Is that right? Right here. So a hunter man in his 70s uh, who just returned from Italy about a week ago has come down with coronavirus. Thankfully, after returning from Italy, he did place himself in isolation. Yep. Uh, self-imposed isolation. So there's very few people that have actually had contact with him. But yeah, it is alive and well here in the Hunter Valley and suddenly something that we need to be aware of and thinking about. Yeah. It's going to be interesting how this progresses over the next weeks and months. I'm going to probably come back and talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But before I do, of course, uh, starting tomorrow, George Pell is uh, back in the headlines with his case hitting the high court. So this is... Uh, of course, well, this is the this is probably the second biggest court case that has ever taken place in Australia. The only one that would come close to rivaling this one would be Lindy Chamberlain. And interestingly, in in a funny kind of way, both of them had a bit of a religious bent. Indeed, people thought Lindy Chamberlain was a little bit weird, and so that sort of affected some ways, you know, people's public opinion in relationship to her. Um, and of course, you know, it was all just based on rumor and gossip. There was nothing, you know, weird about either of these people, except that, uh, both of them were found guilty. Lindy was, uh, let off when new compelling evidence came out later in her life. And it will be interesting to see whether anything like that ever happens with Cardinal George Pell. But yeah, the third highest Vatican official in the world. That is certainly a um, position to hold and then to... Yeah, and some people, some people ask the question whether he actually got promoted to that position to get him out of Australia because, uh, you know, things, there was a, 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 um, a royal commission happening here in Australia. Anyway, uh, two-day hearing starts tomorrow. It could only take one day. Because if the High Court decides to toss it out, they'll hear four hours of submissions from one set of lawyers, four hours from the other lawyers, and they could just toss it out tomorrow and say, no, he's guilty, Um, he stays in jail. If they decide to do more than that. So basically, what they're going to do tomorrow is they're going to decide, do we give leave for this case to be considered? Yep. Once they've heard the lawyers they can then say, no, we don't give leave for the case to be considered, therefore we won't consider it. In other words, toss it out. Yeah. Um, alternatively, they could say, they could provide special leave, in which case uh, we probably won't hear anything for a couple of months. While they go away and they discuss all the things they've heard, there'll probably be another day of submissions that are made to the High Court um, and then if they dismiss the appeal, he stays in prison and they produce a lengthy explanation as to why they dismissed the appeal. If they uh, give special leave and allow the appeal, that means he immediately goes free, or alternatively, they could send it back to the High Court of Appeal in Victoria, which is, I think that's a bit a bit lame myself. It's like just washing their hands off and saying, no, you Victorians worry about it. Mm. Uh, but typically, yeah, we'll probably hear nothing for a couple of months. Um, and interestingly, they won't be looking at any of the trial evidence. 
So it's interesting how the court system works, and this is probably a good opportunity to actually look at how our court system works here in Australia. They don't consider the trial evidence in the high court. Right. So you have the trial evidence. That's the first one. He's found guilty. Yep. Then you have the appeal where they look at how the first trial was conducted. And now the high court is going to look at how the appeal was conducted. I see. So it works its way up the process. And, of course, uh, Cardinal Pell will be represented by Brett Walker, SC, Australia's top lawyer. So going right to the top here on this one. And, of course, he's a high court regular. It's sort of his domain. Um, And the Crown will be represented by Kerry Judd, uh, QC. Uh, This will only be her third time in the high court. So some good experience for her in in getting her name out there and getting some experience in these high-profile cases. So, yeah, watch this space to see what happens in relationship to Cardinal Pell and his appeal to the high court. Coming back to the coronavirus, we have one country in the world where coronavirus has broken out, and this country has no hospitals, does not even have so much as uh, an emergency room. Wow. Where, which country would this be like? Yeah, take a guess. Oh, uh, I think, is it, is it an island country? No. It's not? It's landlocked. Landlocked? Landlocked country. Is it? No hospitals, not even an emergency room. Is, is it on the continent of Africa? No. Oh. <laughs> it's on the continent of Europe. This is why we asked Lyle the, uh, the who are my questions. <laughs> okay, the it's the Vatican. And it probably wasn't surprising that it would break out within the Vatican. Of course, there are concerns for Pope Francis, who is 83 years old and has been celebrating Mass alone in front of a camera. And it's being put out onto big screens in St. Peter's Square. But St. Peter's Square has been empty because all of the tourists have stopped going there. Um, of course, in Italy, which surrounds the Vatican, um, there is around about 7,500 infected people with 366 dead already. 27 prisons across Italy have uh, recently rioted as a result of being, you know, kind of locked up in close proximity to a whole bunch of people. I think a prison would be like the worst place to be with an epidemic like this breaking out. Sort of be the equivalent, like the, the cruise ships that they've got going. Yes. Essentially, yeah, it's the yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Except that you can't get off. No. Ever. Um, they recently held an artificial intelligence conference at the Vatican from February 26 to 28. One of the attendees to that tested positive. And it's interesting because the Vatican actually knew he was positive before he did. So... And the Vatican is is kind of vulnerable because it has a very, very high age, uh, average age. So, you know, most countries, the average age is, you know, 40s, 50s, that kind of thing, uh, or 30s. Whereas in the Vatican, you're sort of more looking at like your 60s and up. Yeah, because going through the, 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 the Catholic um, hierarchy, yeah, yeah, the hierarchy you've got to right. build yourself up. And, and, and of course, these are also people who travel all the time. Yeah. All over the world. So this is a very, very vulnerable population here. And uh, our prayers need to be with that particular country. This is uh, Ryan Pradfoot with A Man Named Job. Once was a man with all the possessions that this world could hold The fathers of riches seemed to overflow But all he wanted was you 
famous man who feared God turned away from evil The greatest man his land had ever known But all he wanted was you The tempter came to try to set the Lord against his soul To strip away all that he'd ever owned But all he wanted was you Yeah, just you Just you The servants come one by one to tell him all the news That everything has been lost, there's nothing left to To shave his head Looks to the sky And then somehow he says All I need is you Then boils come one by one He's covered head to toe Among the ashes Still somehow he knows All I need is you Curse God and die So she says But she really know that shall we take good from God and not evil not evil from you For days to give him counsel now But they don't know what they say They only tear him down He starts to question their ways It seems they've led him wrong But then he starts to complain That's when we hear the sound A voice that comes from the wind Is here to question you And since you've tried to contend I hope you hear the truth That all the wind stars and skies The raging seas The waters rise You can't deny I'm the one that all this has come through Cause I'll always be and I've always been Wherever you've gone, I've been with you then Humble your heart, fall on your knees Trust in my ways when still you can't see When I can't see I trust you Falls into the ground Covers his hand to his mouth So words won't utter out My God, your wonderful ways No man can understand So now I'll give you my days Cause all I need is you Welcome back everybody You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 Right across Australia Joining us on the show this morning for a monthly update Is Kent Kingston from Signs of the Times magazine Kent, welcome to the show Thanks so much, Lars It's great to be here And uh, yes, it is March. It, March The Ides of March have fully settled in 
So here we are. And it feels like <laughs> yes. it feels like we talked to you just the other day about the uh, January February edition, but we are busting now to hear about the March edition. What's happening well, in right. the science world? Things things are, are happening fast. Um, <laughs> we we have a, a really interesting um, cover article. Uh, but by my colleague Lyndon Chuang, he's uh, an Australian-born Chinese, so he, I guess, has some interesting experiences, you know, from a cultural point of view, living in this country, coming from a migrant background, um, I guess, looking, you know, visibly different from the um, from the Anglo-Australian majority. Um, but interestingly enough, he uh, he comes at this issue from a really interesting perspective because he is a reptile keeper. He keeps snakes. He has a couple of pythons um, right there next to his bed. <laughs> he says sometimes uh, he wakes up in the morning, he opens his eyes, and there's a, a pair of python eyes <laughs> looking at him. You know, just like a just a, across um, across from his bed. So he, he asks the question: How is it that so many people are afraid of snakes? Is it an inborn instinctive sort of thing or is it a sort of a socially learned phobia what what do you reckon about that where where do you fall on that um, continuum you know that's an interesting thing because when uh, my wife and i got married and she comes from the united states and their snakes are nothing like as dangerous as ours we were going for a bit of a bush walk down to the beach one day um and nearly stepped on a tiger snake Cow. And she was so blasé about it that it actually scared me. I'm like, how can you be blasé about a tiger snake? And I had to sit down and say, okay, here in Australia, we're not blasé about snakes, you know. <laughs> this is a tiger <laughs> snake. Um, so, so from that so perspective... Very much a, a cultural thing, a, a socially learned thing from your environment in your case. Well, yeah, and then, of course, um, later on in her life, uh, she was out jogging one morning and a brown snake struck her on the on her sneaker. Didn't didn't penetrate Ooh. it, but that... Um, so she's gone from, from being very blasé about snakes to having quite a phobia, to be honest. Well, there you go, yeah. Oh, look, I, I guess that the parallel is that, um, you know, sometimes we, we wonder, you know, what is it about the you know the the appearance of someone from a, a different um, ethnic background from mine that causes me to suddenly freeze up to feel a sense of um, of discomfort or or even you know dislike or um, or fear like what is going on with that um, and I guess there's a certain um, you know, line of thought that says, well, look, you know, birds of a feather flock together. It's only natural, um, you know, to want to be a- among your own kind and and to sort of shun shun the other. But what what Lyndon does in this article is is says, look, you know, scientists have looked at the fear of snakes, and I think as you've discovered, um, it's very much about your your social learning. You know, what what you've been exposed to, um, what you've learned about snakes, and it's a similar thing with with race. I mean, of course, you know, if you go into a child in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, if, so if you go into a village in the highlands of Papua New Guinea and you encounter a you know two or three year old child who has never seen you know someone with with lighter skin before, that child will freak out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just just because of that of the unusualness of of seeing um, you know someone who looks different to everyone they've seen before. Um, but again, that is, it's about so cultural conditioning. Um, it's, it's not an, an inbred thing. And, and I guess what Lyndon says is, hey, if we, if we learn to be racist, in a sense, perhaps we can 
unlearn it as well. So yeah, he he comes at it from a, a really different angle. Um, I, I don't know, how, you know, how you feel about racism, what what your level of experience is, but um, I, I just find that a really fascinating way to to come at the topic. I, yeah, it's a, definitely a unique way of looking at it. And racism is one of those things that really does puzzle me because when I meet meet people are different to me, it's 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 a little bit like, you know, it's one of the things that motivates me to be a tourist is to see and yeah. experience different things and when you know different things come to me then that's just an added bonus um yeah yeah it's yeah it's one of those things like why does this happen where does it where does this come from yeah can um yeah, yeah i i i'll be honest i do have a quite a of of snakes um in yeah the whole time you're telling this story liam is just <laughs> he's just sitting he's shaking his head like nope, quite queasy nope, um nope 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 back in cairns the the the, <laughs> no snakes, the no eastern snakes. taipan yeah. is is quite famous as being one of the deadliest snakes in the world um or yeah, venomous yeah. um now one thing that i've noticed about me personally with snakes that I, I think i can relate to this story is that while i am quite afraid of snakes if i develop a relationship with this snake and i guess it might sound a bit strange but if i if i get a little bit intimate with this snake and really understand and know that i mean while some snakes there is quite a reason to be afraid of but other snakes there's no reason at all to be afraid of them once i learn that and once i can trust this snake um then I, i mean i'm still a little bit cautious around it but i'm a lot more comfortable around it and i think for me personally as i've as i've progressed um, through life in general, whenever I come across um, different races, or, or it's not maybe necessarily different races, but different people for me, um, people that I don't know, I, this is what I, I guess, experience myself, where I yeah, yeah. I try to, I, I'm certainly approach them cautiously, but once I develop a relationship with these people, we're as happy as Larry. I think that's one of the keys yeah, right there, right, isn't yeah. it? Is you get to know people and you just find out you know you can be mates with anyone from any part of the world. It doesn't matter. It's just well, become friends. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. Obviously, sometimes it involves doing some learning. Uh, you know, about who they are, where they come from, what what their experience is too, so that you know that the way they are makes a little bit more sense to us. But um, yeah, that can be an incredible you know journey of, of learning and exploration. So look, look, I'm the same. I mean, I was brought up in you know sort of three countries, so I have a quite a cosmopolitan outlook, and I'm always interested in in hearing what you know what people from other places you know have to say and, and what their perspective is. Um, but look, yeah, that that is our cover article. But we have some other like yeah, great articles in in the uh, in the March um, edition of, of Science of the Times. And if you uh, if you you're not subscribed to the magazine, you can actually read those articles online at uh, signsofthetimes.org.au and uh, check out those articles there. And if you say, hey, look, this is good. I like this sort of content. I, I'd like to see the you know the print version of the magazine where it's all sort of laid out nice with it with all the photos and everything. Um, yeah, just click that subscribe button and we'll we'll get April's um, off to you. Um, look, another really sort of topical thing that just keeps coming up, um, you know, p- people are talking about climate change, people are talking about pollution, people are talking about, you know, how we're looking after the earth. And when they do surveys about about this issue and ask people, you know, what, what do you think you can do? Um, you know, what, what, what are the sort of issues that you're passionate about? There's a word that comes up again and again and again, and that word is plastic. 
Yes. Uh, this, mm. is some, this is something that people are becoming more and more aware of. And I think because it's something tangible, it's something that ends up in our shopping trolleys on a weekly basis. Um, you know, just about everything we buy involves plastic or plastic wrapping or, or something like that. We're starting to, people are starting to realize, hey, maybe this is something I can do. So we have this great article from uh, Julie Hoey, who actually has a, a science background um, in education. And uh, yeah, it's entitled Not So Fantastic Plastic. And she talks about, you know, this miracle substance that uh, sort of came to us in the, uh, the mid-20th century and the, the, the technological marvel that it was at the time and then how this sort of dark side emerged of, oh, wait a minute, what is the go you know, with plastic and how do we deal with the waste? And the, it's, it lasts forever. That was supposed to be a strength. Now it turns out to be a, a problem. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a real, I guess, a, a case study in, in miniature in some ways of the, the genius of humanity and the unintended consequences that, you know, sometimes come from, you know, not thinking things through or, or not realising the, the consequences of, of uh, you know, of, of our decisions and, and of our actions and of the direction we take our culture. And amazingly enough, there was a time in the past when human beings survived without plastic. Wasn't even that long yeah, ago. <laughs> no, I think this is a great cause. This is a cause that we've sort of taken up here at Faith FM somewhat as well, because you know plastic okay. has become a tremendous problem issue in our world. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear the feedback that you get there at uh, Science Magazine on that particular subject. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I'm I'm not completely convinced on on the paper straws that yeah, we're getting now. I've in, struggled in with that for um, quite that, that, a long they time. They don't always go the difference. They don't always get to the the end of the drink. No, what you do, Ken, <laughs> what you do, this is this is what we do. You buy yep. your own metal straws and carry them with you. Problem solved. Now that is yeah, quite the solution. Metal straw, yeah. That's it. It sort of looks like a weapon. I'm, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to stab myself in the face with it. Or, or... <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried taking one on an airplane yet. Don't know how how would on. that go? <laughs> what else is happening in science there, Ken? Look, we, we have, um, obviously, every edition of Science of the Times, yes, it looks at current events. Um, yes, we'll look at sort of health and well-being, and, uh, you know, we've got some great articles about those sorts of issues. But uh, we also look at, like, biblical and faith sort of issues, and we get into a particular biblical theme that perhaps a lot of people don't even realize it's there. Um, but in the Bible, we have these stories of, I guess, these people who are, uh, well, you know, the, the people of Israel in, in Old Testament times who were um, invaded, um, exiled, you know, um, you know, taken off to another country where, where there seems to have been an effort to sort of completely, you know, expunge and eradicate their culture. It was, I guess, a form of cultural genocide, which is, you know, what happened when the, when the Neo-Babylonian uh, kingdom um, invaded Israel and, and took a, a lot of sort of key people off to captivity. Um, and we're introduced to this word that we read in, in probably more traditional translations of the Bible, but even in, you know, a, a lot of transitions, it's the word remnant. Um, so we have this idea of these, this group of survivors, you know, this group of people who uh, are sort of left over, because there were some sort of poor and old people who were left behind in Jerusalem when this happened. There was also the, the remnant in terms of this group of exiles, you know, in a foreign country trying to figure out, you know, what happened, what is going on. Um, and, and I guess what we find through Scripture is that, um, that God has 
a plan for this leftover group of people, this band of survivors, um, this this traumatized sort of people living on, on the fringes. And God says, hey, it's not over for you yet. I can still use you. I can still work with you. I still have a plan for you. Um, and this is a message that sort of in some ways runs through the Bible because we, we encounter it again in the book of Revelation. We have this idea of, you know, the of, of Babylon and this idea of, you know, hey, it's time for you to, you know, to come out of, of Babylon, my people. You know, you are my people, even though you are in Babylon and you are the remnant, you know, you are the people who are willing to uh, willing to follow me to, you know, keep the keep the commandments and, and hold the hold to the faith of Jesus. Um so yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating uh, idea. I guess sometimes church people look at this idea of remnant and they think, oh, this must mean we're some sort of elite, um, you know, sort of SAS, you know, star force, um, you know, kind of Christians. Um, but when you look at the Bible, you realize that the message of remnant is is a message of, of, of humility. It's a message of God's grace, you know, helping helping us, uh, you know, even after we've, we've been through tough times. You know, it tells us God still has a plan for you, regardless of, of what you've been through. I think that's a really important aspect of it too, because sometimes we, you know, as an individual, on a very individual level, we feel like we're just the leftovers. And it's really a story about what God can do with just the leftovers. That's right. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Uh, yeah. We've got a time for uh, maybe one or two more highlights, and then we need to finish up. Whoa. Okay. All right. All right. Look, we, we profile a couple of... Um, Sort of organisations and people who are who are reaching out and trying to um, help you know the sort of issues that that we see in the world. We, we have a great profile of these three brothers living on the island of Trinidad, who who help out with a, an orphanage where a lot of those kids have actually escaped human trafficking uh, situations, and that's. Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty sort of tough issue, and it's just really inspirational to see those three guys like get in there and and, and helping. Uh, but a little closer to the home, we also have this great article called "My First Cruise." So um, this woman by, by the name of Glenda McClintock, she writes about her experience of going to the Solomon Islands and uh, getting on a boat, and we're thinking, oh, yeah, this is this is going to be a cruise. But what it turns out is that this boat is a floating medical clinic that basically visits uh, remote villages around all those like hundreds of islands um, around the Solomon Islands, particularly in, in the western province there. And um, you really get a picture of, um, of what is going on in those villages, the, the lack of medical care that those people experience, and so the incredible value that is provided you know, by this group. Um, it's it's a, a Christian-based group you know, supported by donors in Australia, um, but you know, largely, you know, managed by people in the Solomon Islands themselves, you know, with local nurses, local chaplains, um, and, and they're out there, like, connecting with, you know, with the villagers, providing um, health care uh, right there for them. And it's a, yeah, it's a really uh, fascinating glimpse into the into the work of, of that organisation, which, uh, which is called Sunship. Um, so, yeah, a couple of really interesting profiles there uh, that, that I certainly, you know, really enjoyed um, including in, in the magazine for March. Fantastic. How do we get a hold of it, Kent? Well, it's pretty easy. Uh, your your hub, your starting point is signsofthetimes.org.au. Uh, that's our website. So you can just hit the subscribe button there. You can read the articles there. You can uh, donate to um, you know some of the uh, magazine distribution projects that we have uh, around Australia, in New Zealand, um, in, you know even even elsewhere. Um, we have a podcast there, so I think you've got to listen to. Uh, the 
the uh, when we actually had Lyndon Chuang in the in the audio studio here uh, with his Python. Um, so to sort of go into that article um, about um, racism and fear of snakes and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, the podcast episodes are there. Uh, look, heaps of stuff. Um, even the answers to the crosswords. As we, we have a crossword and Sudoku every every month. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you for joining us once again to give us an update on signs. So uh, jump across there to signsofthetimes.org.au. That's your starting place to be involved with everything that Kent Kingston is doing. We're going to move on with the show right now. We'll be back after this song, 8 o'clock news, and then Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Let it shine is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. 
If you've been enjoying Faith FM Radio, then we'd like to invite you to be part of our family of faith at the King Island Seventh-day Adventist Church. We meet at 9am every Saturday morning at 4 Albert Street, Curry, to spend time together studying God's Word and growing closer as friends. For more information or if you have any questions, call Pastor Barry on 0409 416 697. That's 0409 416 697. Can't wait to meet you. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to a tree? Were you there when they nailed him to a tree? Sometimes I feel like shouting glory. you there 